Blog Talk Radio. The information discussed during the show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. O. Sullivan, and you are listening to Sylvia Global Media Network. I'm Dr. Caroline O'Sullivan. Our special guest is Dr. Jesse Saul from the Prescott Area Pet Emergency Hospital. We're talking about hot weather hazards for pets and how to avoid them and how to deal with them if, God forbid, they come up. Once again, I want people to please, please, please join the conversation. Get us on Facebook. Get us on Twitter. Watch our YouTube channel. Whatever we can do to spread the good word about pet care and advocacy. Now, um, ah, let's see here. I've got a question here coming in. Dr. Saul, you ready for this? Sure. um, Now, this is regarding the 20 dogs that died of heat exhaustion in Gilbert Kennel. The, The question is, the news said that the kennel employees tried to spray the dogs that were found alive with cold water. If a dog is found in heat exhaustion, would that help at all or would it cause shock? This is all you. So we're in the process of heat exhaustion, a whole bunch of bad stuff happening, and they want to spray the dog with cold water. What do you think? This is, it's a really tricky situation. Anytime you have a patient in heat stroke, the, you obviously have to lower their body temperature, but the, the trick is to do it in a controlled fashion. If you yep. do it too quickly, you can throw them into shock. You can throw them into DIC, um, which is, uh, just for simplicity's <laughs> sake, is the body is not able to clot appropriately. The blood is not able to clot appropriately, and it leads to internal bleeding. It's um, a death end game. So, do you know, Dr. Saul's saying DIC, after coagulation, that's end game. So, as you say, if for some reason we accidentally push too hard, and that happens as an event in a dog, whether it's in our hospitals or, you know, in your yard, that, that's the end game. The body is actually, you know, definitely breaking down. Now, uh, what, what do you think, Dr. Stoll, about not cold water, room temperature water? What do you think? I think that would be more appropriate, uh, absolutely, just to just kind of help bring the body temperature down a little bit slower. Yeah, you don't want to take a patient in, um, in heat stroke and dump them in a, you know, an ice bucket. It's just you no. don't want to do that. No. It's, 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 a, it's a very controlled, you know, lowering of the temperature. Yeah. And the way we do that at the emergency clinic is we would do that with IV fluids, uh-huh. trying to, you know, get the, the temperature of those fluids, um, at, like you said, room temperature, and so that's going to slowly bring down the temperature, the internal body temperature. And at the same time, we are doing things, you know, we, we can cool them quicker in an emergency setting because we have the ability to support the rest of the system, the rest of the body system. So meaning we, the, the dog is less likely to go into shock since they already have IV fluids and that's going to prevent the shock. But again, it's, it's a really tricky situation and I know that there's been um, you know, professional um, emergency veterinarians who have had a really bad luck with, with trying to treat heat stroke patients. It's, it's really, really tricky. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, have to, I have to be honest with you that I've had a couple that have gone south, and, um, and you think, you know, for those people that are listening and everybody else that you spread this to, I can only speak for myself, but 
as a veterinarian, as an emergency veterinarian, you want to fix what's in front of you. And when we get a heat stroke case, you have to be very, very controlled, very, very um, slow with what you're doing, like Dr. Saul says. So I thank you very much for your question, by the way. And um, spraying these dogs with room temperature water, you know, to try and, and that would be like a spray bottle. So it's not like you're submerging them, as Dr. Saul said, would be a bad idea. But anything we can do to start to, first of all, stop the heat, that they're exposed to, you know, stop that congestion, whatever's going on, maybe spray them with a spray ball, spray their feet, you know, spray their feet with room temperature water, that'll help a little bit, yeah, um, and then be very controlled about it with regard to, don't do anything too fast, because we don't want to send them into shock, so that's an excellent, excellent question. Um, when I was doing, you know, emergency medicine, um, I'm not sure how it works in your facility, but I'm guessing it's quite a bit the same. The amount of staff it takes, the amount of monitoring that emergency veterinary hospitals has is staggering. If anyone who's listening has ever been to a human hospital and you've seen all the bells and whistles and clickings and monitors and clips and plugs and this and that and everything, we have it all. We have it all. Yeah. So when Dr. Saul is saying we can monitor this and we can control this and we can, put, you know, we can move this a little bit faster in an animal hospital, it's because we have the staff and the, and the monitoring equipment to be watching everything at one time. And it's not, you know, as my recollection is, it's not easy at all. But No, it's all hands on deck. You have everyone, oh. including receptionists, you, and sometimes even having owners helping. It's, it's all hands on deck. It definitely, definitely. And then, you know, we're doing, we're pulling blood, spinning it down, seeing where we're at. What, where are our numbers? Where are our electrolytes? What is my liver function? What the hell is going on with my playlist? This is, Dr. Salton, all hands on deck, no mucking around, shut, shut stuff down, get the owner in here, every single hand you have. And <laughs> this comes across as a little egotistic on my part. Do what I say and do it now. We have no time. There's no time to dilly-dally in that the things that I'm seeing, it's a huge responsibility, isn't it, Dr. Saul? And this isn't an egotistical thing. It's just that treating that heat stroke case, it's a tough one in that we, yeah. I, I use every single ounce of my education, experience, equipment, and a lot of the finger-pointing white coat power. It's like we have no do your job. Don't dilly-dally. We're trying to save a life here. And, and that's exactly what we're doing. We're trying to save a life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It, and, and I was just, I was just thinking here as we were, as we were talking. You know, I, I also, you know, just because, um, let me back up. You know, heat stroke doesn't have to be because a dog was out in a car or you know was left outside without water. It could also be your energetic young lab who <laughs> will not stop chasing its tennis ball. Yes. You know, it's, it can be anything like that. It can be a seizure patient. If anyone has a, a dog with epilepsy and they have seizures, especially in the summer, you know these these critters are expending huge amounts of energy during the seizure, and that in, that increases the internal body temperature. And so, you know, some of the some of the heat stroke um, patients that I've treated actually were you know they were in the winter because the patient had a seizure you know, a very, very extended seizure and their body temperature was very, very high. Oh, that's brilliant, Dr. Saul. That's brilliant because that's so thinking out of the box, isn't it? Because you're exactly right. The, these other medical problems can result in these extreme elevations in body temperature and at the heat stroke case. You're a seizure case and a heat stroke case at the same time. So, ugh. Um, what, are the, what other examples do we have of things like that that might, um, we have 
heart issues, we have respiratory issues, we have seizure issues, we have the um, heat coming from the outside world. What 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 else? What else might we do? Um, oh, you know, really severe um, severe fevers. You know, a mm-hmm. patient has some you know some viral or bacterial infection, and their body is trying to fight that infection, and they can get their body temperature up. 105, 106 degrees, and it gets to a point where it's it's uh, life threatening. Just the fever itself is life threatening. You know, in addition to whatever bacterial or viral infection they have. And so, no, you're you're so right. You're so right. And then we live in an area here where we have a very very special disease um, that right now, when everything is drying out, drying out, and the wind and the wind and the wind. All I can think of is coxidiomycoides, right? Um, Absolutely, valley fever. (laughs) So valley fever is spores that when the soil dries out, this is a very simplified version, but the wind blows and these fungal spores are in the wind and you breathe them in. That's the simplest version. And then as the body goes to fight the good fight, just like Dr. Saul says, our body mounts this amazing response that many times includes a fever and nothing else. And we're like, what the heck is this? It's called fever of unknown origin, which always sucks is when I was doing it. <laughs> like, I don't, what the heck is this? There's got to be a reason for it. But like Dr. Sol says, for us here in uh, Arizona, let's say, or the surrounding area, there are things that can cause fever that... You know, I don't know if you've ever had the flu, but then the last thing you want to do is be sitting outside in the sun while you have a fever or something else going on because you generally feel crappy, and then you get stuck in the heat externally and internally. So, oh, that's brilliant, Dr. Saul. Those are such good good analogies and such good thoughts. Um, So um, some of the other things that I had addressed in the Green Living Magazine article were um, snake bites. So if we could do that, we got about 20 more minutes here. And then I'm not sure how much exposure you've had with it here at the uh, Prescott Area Pet Emergency Hospital, but what about near drownings and such? You know, we hear about it with children. We, we haven't gotten a lot of it on the news with dogs, but when, um, I, I've done quite a few of these, especially with the small dogs that fall in and they end up with a point of exhaustion trying to find the edge of the pool or the stairs that they can get out of where everyone's playing in the pool and dog jumps in or we're going to a lake and dogs you know, goes out too far and gets exhausted because of the heat and such. Um, have you had exposure to those near drownings, Dr. Saul? Um, not um, not actual drownings, but, you know, cases that present similarly. Just as an example, um, electrocution can uh, present yeah. very, very similar. And so, you know, you have a, a young puppy, say, and, you know, they don't know any better. They bite uh, an electrical cord and they get that. You know, that can present almost the exact same as when you're drowning from a medical standpoint where they get what we call non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema. Yeah. So it's, um, again, they're very, very tricky situations and, that, you know, they, they require emergency care and they need they need oxygen therapy. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and so, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of experience with, with near drowning. Well, when, but, you know. when I when I was in, you know, I was in Vegas, there's a couple of lakes and stuff around there, and, that, and then pools, of course, pools. But the only thing I can say about that is there are uh, life vests for dogs, all sizes of dogs, and we love taking our dogs with us, whether we're going camping or to a lake or we're doing this or we're cooling off. Please, please make sure your dog, no matter how strong a swimmer they are, they're wearing a life vest. It honestly will save their lives, absolutely. Um, and then if you have a small dog, 
just like a child, watch them all the darn time, and if dog or child or even larger dogs fall in the water, make sure that they're trained. Where are the stairs? Where are the exit points? Where are the low edges? Because these guys will, once again, with high anxiety, frantic, kind of save their own darn lives, they'll actually die of exhaustion. So right. um, not as humans. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, not, not as, and we hear horror stories about children all the time falling in the pool and being found at the bottom. Uh, I just need people to spend as much time on their small dogs and their pets as they do with their children, knowing that these guys can drown all the same and knowing that there are um, life vests for them. So even if you're going out on a lake, you're going to go do something silly with your friends, put a darn life vest on them so at least they can survive your, you know, the time out and such, and that we don't want to have to do CPR on our dogs. We don't want to have to rush them out and do mouth-to-mouth with them, which is exactly what we end up doing. And as Dr. Saul pointed out um, in a different conversation, that once you get to the point, just like with people, you're doing CPR, your chances of having a long, fulfilled, happy life with your friend have dropped dramatically. So just don't do it. Just get a damn life test, okay? Now, off my high horse. Now, what do you think about snake bites, Dr. Saul? Because we're living in Snakeville, aren't we? Oh, yeah. We see a lot of snake bites at the at the emergency clinic. Um, and those, you know, they, they any time starting, especially where it's real warm, like down here in Phoenix, and we see them as early as, as February. It's Ooh, it's yeah. really remarkable. But we, we, we created one at the end of February this year. And so, you know, just be, if you're out hiking, just be careful. Obviously, avoiding snake bites is the the best thing that you can do for your, your pet. Yeah, um, but yep, if, yep. Um, if you, you know, if you are in a situation where your dog does get bit, or your cat for that matter, if, you know, your your pet gets bit, you need to get them to a hospital as quickly as possible. But at the same time, you don't want to have your dog, you know, running for miles to get them there. You want to do it in a very controlled, you know, manner. Um, one yeah. of the worst things that you can do is, you know, run, 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 run. You know, this dog just got bit on the leg, and then you run it, and that, that venom is just getting circulated throughout the body. You want to be very yeah. controlled, slow, get them there. Absolutely never turn a kit, anything like that. Right. Um, you don't want to try to cut, you know, cut the leg and bleed it or try to suck the venom out. Yeah. You know, those are all big <laughs> yeah. no-no's. I don't know where those where those wives tales ever ever came from. Don't don't do those things. <laughs> I think um, those are from like old western movies, right? Cut it, yeah, cut right. all the stuff, and then uh, ice. Talk to the people about ice because you know you know the idea that ice contracts all the blood vessels and slows down the, the you know the movement of the venom and stuff. Um, what do you think? Ice, yes or no? No. 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 Current no. current current thoughts are are no tourniquets, no ice. Um, and and no no medication no over the counter medication nope. you know, don't start giving Benadryl I don't you, you don't treat rattlesnake bites with Benadryl it's not an allergic <laughs> reaction it's a it's a tissue reaction to the venom um, so tissue. don't be giving any medications don't tourniquet the wound don't put ice on the wound just get them to a hospital as quickly as possible where they will be treated and yes. you know what we would do in a situation where there's a potential rattlesnake bite or a known rattlesnake bite is we take blood and evaluate the the status of the um, dog's ability to clot because right. what rattles um, especially if you're rattlesnake bites the, the three main things that they the three major systems that uh, they affect are the cardiovascular system so shock 
um, right. bleeding abnormalities or coagulopathies, so inability yep. to clot blood, yep. and local tissue necrosis. And so that's, you know, that's usually kind of the, the tissue necrosis is treated secondarily. We obviously need to worry about the, the clotting and the cardiovascular collapse. So those are the things yep. that are treated immediately. So getting an IV catheter in place, getting them started on IV fluids, and pain medication. They yes. are painful. Yay, Dr. Saul. Yay, yay. These critters are painful. It, it's, we need, that's the main reason that we hospitalize most snake bites is to give them pain medication. We give them very, very potent opioid pain medication. If you. I got bit by a snake, I would sure love some, some opioids myself. It's, you know, it's <laughs> so very, very you sad to see these critters. Oh, they're painful. They're painful. Um, so, Dr. Saul, if somebody comes home and they think that their dog may have been bitten by a rattler because they're acting funny or whatever, do you, can you tell us some signs? Because I have a whole list on here, but what are the signs of snake bite that you people often tell you, like, oh, my God, I came home and my dog has was doing this or I'm swollen or I'm what? What is it that you actually see? Because what's in writing and what's in reality, which is what you deal with every day, what is it that people are seeing if they weren't present for snake bite? Sure. One of the, the the biggest things that people notice is swelling, local local tissue swelling on the face, the head, or the, the legs. Yep. It's just the most common places that they get bit because they're inquisitive. They go up, they say, what the heck is this? And bam, they get bit on the nose. And right. so the, usually the, the main thing that people see is a big swollen area. So I'm going to talk about muzzle. It's just going to be as my example. So you see a big swollen muzzle. Um, and then they're they're typically very painful. And that can can um, present as anxiety. You know, they're very anxious. They're vocalizing. They're you know they're they're whining. They can't get comfortable. Sometimes you'll see you'll actually see puncture wounds, but not always. You'll mm-hmm. see puncture wounds that are potentially seeping a, a bloody what we would call a serosanguineous fluid. Right. Um, but again, not you don't always see puncture wounds. It, you just you don't. Um, sometimes you'll see you know. Um, uh, spontaneous bleeding, so yeah. things like a bloody bloody nose or or um, bruising of the gums, we call that petechia. Um, so you know, little pinpoint bruises on the gums, things like that. Um, trying to think of other things well, we, that people might. Well, with that with that excitement and that the excitement and the anxiety, sometimes dilated pupils. You know, like people under stress, you can see that their their eyes oh. are just really really big. Um, with that self that swelling, severe pain. I mean, know that these guys are in shocking amounts of pain. Um, panting, drooling, that's the anxiety piece. Maybe some vomiting or diarrhea from stress or the snake right. bite. And then things like seizure and collapse. Make no mistake about it, your dog can die by being bit by a snake. So some there, there's a lot of stuff out there with like, oh, well, my dog's been bit three times and nothing ever happened. Okay, that's great, except for this isn't your dog. You know, that this this is very, very important stuff. And then, um, sometimes this is a deal breaker. Sometimes this is end game getting these guys bit by snakes. So it depends on is it a green Mojave or is it, you know, or is it a snake, a young snake that doesn't have a lot of venom in their fangs? Who knows, right? It doesn't matter. Um, Dr. Saul mentioned uh, avoidance, right? <laughs> the best way not to get go to Dr. Saul is just, don't get heat stroke, don't drown your dog, don't get pad burns, and don't get your snake bites, you know. So I realize that that's not super reality, but, Dr. So I wanted to mention that um, most recently I was involved, uh, organized some snake avoidance training um, 
and I, w- I was on the fence about the whole thing, and uh, we had it done and brought some guys up, um, Kate Creek who did it, and um, I was duly impressed. I mean, duly impressed with the responses from these dogs with minimal kind of, you know, corrections and such. And for my personal dog, I can guarantee you my dog smells and or visualizes. Smells is a big deal, right? Smelling because these dogs, you know, of course, mm-hmm. they have senses you and I don't have. She is going to be running for the hills in the opposite direction, also warning me that don't go there. You know, so um, I, I understand that sometimes it's questionable uh, techniques and such, but know that snake avoidance training is out there and that if you have a really great person to do it or a group to do it, it actually might save the dog and your life. Um, it can take a long time before we get you know, If my dog doesn't get bit, I'm happy. I'm very, very happy right. we've avoided the problem. And I live in Arizona, and I have dogs, <laughs> and I go hiking, which makes me responsible to advocate for my dog because I put my dog in a situation where they're going nose-to-nose, limb-to-limb with snakes and venomous snakes, and they are life changers. So uh, snake avoidance training, um, you know, like I said, I, I used Hunter Canine out of Cape Creek, and I was duly impressed with these guys. Uh, but like I said, do your due diligence. You know, you're advocating for your friends, but know that services like that exist. So hopefully using the dog's wonderful sense of smell and everything else, we can keep them from getting bitten by snakes. But if not, the signs that Dr. Saul talked about, and you have any swelling, you have any pain, I don't care if it's from a snake or not, get them to the emergency hospital. You know, if your dog is painful, go seek help. <laughs> go seek help. Yeah. So, it, I know it's not that simple, but now, Dr. Salt, we have about seven minutes to talk to the world. Um, what, what, with these hot weather hazards and what you see, and you deal with the end-stage um, human component, of course, your patients, the component, the pain, the distress, the anxiety, you know, all the work that you guys have to do, whether, you know, it, it leads to a nice recovery or not. Um, what is it that you have to tell people about living in the heat with it being responsible for pets. Please just lay it out. Yeah, it's you just have to be more careful. It's you know, it's, it, you can you can say that, but you know, obviously accidents happen, and that's you know that's why we're here. But you know, at the same time, just oh, you just have to be so careful. You know, be aware that there's so many hazards out here in the desert, and other than you know, we just talked about the poisonous snakes, but there's also you know, there's venomous insects. There's there's cactus. You know, there's, there's so many things out here, but you know, don't leave your pet in the car. It's just it's the one thing. Just never do it. You know, take them into the grocery store if you have to. Even if you're just you know mailing mailing a letter, it's just, yeah. just get them out of the car. That's yeah. the best thing you can do. But you know, at the same time, you got to be careful. You know, black asphalt, it's hot. You, know, you can't let them burn their feet. You know, get them in the shade. Keep obviously plenty of fresh water available at all times even if even even if you are in the car with them you know we always we always take a bottle of water and one of the collapsible um, bowls with us and yeah, it, it gets yeah. hot in the car you know if something happens the car breaks down oh yes yeah have, have some water with them at all times it's they need it it's the only way they can cool themselves off is, you know the panting it just it really doesn't cut it for them um yeah, yeah. Just be careful. <laughs> yeah, I always tell people. I said our dogs and cats are in a hundred and God knows what temperatures in a fur coat, and they're not able to sweat. So 
think about it that way. I want you to wear a fur coat. We can't simulate not being able to sweat, but make no mistake. I mean, we're out there, no water, in a fur coat, unable to sweat. And so, um, like you said, you just, just have to be careful. You have to be really, really careful with these guys. And we talked about heat stroke. We talked about near drowning. We talked about snake bites. We talked about pad burns. Is there anything else that you can think of that, um, and then what do we think of? We're talking about some cardiac disease, some respiratory disease, definitely seizures, right? Anything else that you see a bit of that um, might be a hot weather hazard? Uh, whether you said there's some venomous bugs out there, no, that's right. <laughs> oh yeah, we do see a lot of those. You know, the, what about the cactus, cactus? We we see a ton of it. You know, they they step they step in one, and and it, you what usually it presents to us is there'll be these you know numerous they almost look like pimples. You know, there'll be mm-hmm. tons and like, lots and lots of pimples on their on their pads and on the tops of their feet, and you know usually the owner says you know they're they're just licking it licking and licking and licking at mm-hmm. these pads. And you know, it's you just got to be careful if you're out hiking with them. That's one of the reasons I like the booties that you, that you talked about. Is not only does it you know, prevent them from burning their pads, but it's it's a little bit of protection from all the the things that are trying to poke, prick, sting, or stab you out here in the in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> that's that's brilliant because I actually you know although I do use pads on my dog booties, I didn't think about that piece. And I um my dog got um some I can't remember what it was almost like the 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 little thing from the cactus jumped out and grabbed us. It was horrible. My Both my ankles got done and one of her pieces got done. Um, we're running short on time here now. Dr. Saul, if people want to contact you, if people want to know where you guys are, um, how do they get a hold of Prescott Area Pet Emergency Hospital um, for help or questions or information? Because I know you guys have an awesome, awesome website, so informational, so positive. Yeah, the, the, the website is www. PrescottPetEmergency.com, all one word. Um, or they could just give us a call. Our phone number up there is 928-778-1990. And, you know, we're always open for questions, even in the middle of the night. doesn't matter how, how dumb you think the question may be. You know, just just call us. We're always there weekends and you know, weekends and overnight. So get yourself educated. Yes, yes, yes. That's so important, isn't it? I mean, education experience and knowing that you guys are at the other end of the phone and will answer questions. And even if the answer is, no, here, do this, 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 and you don't need to come see us, and then let us know how it goes. I mean, it's not always, well, coming to the hospital all the time. You know, you guys are so, you're so versed in giving information to people. Now, um, thank you, Dr. Stahl, so much. We're not quite done here, but um, I hope someday to see you on our YouTube show, so it's actual face-to-face, hopefully with, I think, your cat in your lap, right, and your Starbucks coffee in your hand. And That's we can right. Talk i got about three cats on me right now. I don't oh, know why I'm three. so popular. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. So we're going to need a bigger, we're gonna need a bigger camera. Now, once again, um, I want to really um, send my heart out to the families, friends of these 20 dogs that lost their lives you know, last week and uh, be extremely supportive of everyone that's trying to resolve this and everyone that's trying to support the family and the friends of, of this horrible tragedy. Do this, please, for this family, for whoever, through education, just like Dr. Saul said. This is, this is the only way we're going to stop this. And um, take a moment of silence and just hug your dog, kiss your cat, and be very thankful that they're still there with you, okay, because these, these horrible things can happen. I don't mean to be a doomsdayer, but just appreciate them, advocate for them, get educated for them, love them, and share this information with everyone. Do that by getting on Facebook, Twitter, Dr. O.D.V.M., 
Um, like us on Facebook, Holistic Tech Care with Dr. O. Keep listening on blogtalkradio.com backslash Sylvia Global. Get involved. Let us know what you want to hear. And next week we'll have a great show with a holistic, organic chef who's going to tell us how to do home cooking. Uh, who knows, for a crock pot or something else. So thank you for your time. And Dr. Paul, you're the best. You really are. We're going to have to talk to you again soon. Uh, thank you so much for having me. All right. You guys all have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week on Tuesday. And hopefully I'll see you guys on YouTube and such. Bye-bye. The information discussed during the show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian.